Well, good morning, everyone. It's so lovely to be here with you this morning and just, you know, after 2020, I'm grateful to be together. We just have a renewed sense of how wonderful, what a privilege it is to come together and welcome to everyone on the live stream. Hello, love. I hope you can feel all the love from there um, in your lounge rooms or wherever you are. Uh, we've been uh, working through this theme of behold, all things are new. And something happened in our home this week that was not good, a new thing that I feel I need to share with you. There's a rodent who is looking for some sort of roommate situation with us. And I'm really not on board with this. Come and live in the mountains, they said. <laughs> It'll be fun, they said. <laughs> so in the last few years I've lived in the mountains, I got bitten by a snake, right? Dry bite, bitten by a snake. Last year it was snake in the kitchen. We've had possum and now we've got, I'm presuming it's a mouse. And I've nicknamed it Squatter Mouse because, you know, it's like a superhero vibe. But Squatter Mouse's fate is really sealed because my husband, Daniel, has a unique set of skills. <laughs> and he's going to find Squatter Mouse and deal with Squatter Mouse. As I was pondering Squatter Mouse this week, and it's the silliest thing, I was laughing about it because I'm like, I hate mice. I just hate mice. And I feel for those people in the country at the moment who are having an absolute plague. I really feel for you. But as I was pondering this mouse this week, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, and God is in the detail Right? If we'll discuss anything with him, he will be present in the detail. He said to me, why is the mouse in your house? And, you know, so I'm like, have I left out food? Is it not clean enough? All these, all these things that we do. And I realize that a change in circumstances for the mouse, a change in weather, it's, it's gotten colder all of a sudden, has put this little mouse in a place where circumstances have led it to need to change to survive. And I was... I found that totally remarkable because I think this experience of the little mouse describes in a way what we've all been through in the last 12 or so months. That a change in circumstance and events that we did not expect, that we did not ask for, that we had no control over, has brought a lot of new things for us. Now, we're told this year, behold, all things are new. And I believe that. But I began to think about what happens when new doesn't feel good? Right? You know, if I, I'll say two words to you. New vaccine. <gasps> Doesn't feel good. We've had so much new in the last 12 or so months. It's almost like new has, has this, this, you know, baggage attached to it. And I just thought, as disciples of Christ, living in a world where new at the moment has a lot of baggage, what is new for us? How is this good? If God's saying, behold, all things are new, what does that mean? Well, I tell you what, in our ideal world, for me, and I'm sure for many of you, that means he fixes the pandemic, he heals all our bodies, um, he fixes everyone's finances, the kids suddenly start behaving the way that we feel they should, <laughs> peace is restored in all our relationships, bam, isn't that what we'd like God to do? If I was defining new, it would be some sort of instantaneous thing that completely changed my situation. 
But that's not how God works most of the time. Occasionally, he will do something spectacular that we cannot predict, that we wish we could predict and control, but we can't. So then, what does new look like? If we're disciples of Christ, what does it look like for us? How do we not miss this if God is doing a new thing? And he says this through through Scripture. Many times he tells us he's doing new. And I'm glad he's doing new because I don't want old. I don't want to live a life loving and serving and following Jesus and be the same tomorrow as I am today. I want new. I want new. So what is this for us? For us as disciples, it means that God, because of the work at the cross, because Jesus died on the cross, and when we accept him into our lives, when we say, Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again for my sin, and you took all of it on the cross, because I believe that, and because I receive you into my life, and now because you're here, the Bible says I'm dead to sin. So what does that mean? Does it mean I don't sin anymore? Well, I do. So, (laughs) yeah, I do. We all do. It doesn't mean that we don't sin anymore. It means we're not subject to that. It means it doesn't have the final word over our lives. There's a higher narrative at work for us because the word says I'm dead to sin and alive to Christ. And because I'm alive to Christ, my spirit... It's tracking on the radar of what God is doing. It's looking. I'm, because I'm, I'm a disciple. I'm a follower. The onus here is on me. God doesn't force himself on people. This is a decision that, that is on us. We need to make. If we want the new, we need to seek the new. Because God tells us, I'm doing new. He doesn't change, right? He's always doing new. And what he's looking to do is to fulfill the promises that he's made to each one of us through the word. For some of you, it's you know through prophetic words and encouragements as well. He's wanting to fulfill those promises in our lives. And he begins that by working a process within us through our circumstances. Often it's difficult to recognize, but what I've learned is the new things of God are usually hidden in plain sight. So what would stop us from recognising the new? Okay, let's have a look. Um, 2 Corinthians 4.16. I'll give you the NIV. I'm a fan of the NIV, but then I'm going to read you the message. Though, though, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Our outer bodies, they're wasting away. I can attest to this. I was doing exercise late last year. And in a moment, I injured my back and it cost me about two months on the lounge. And I went from being completely normal to the doctor saying to me, you're going to need spinal surgery. And I was like, what? I was doing good things. I'm exercising. And anyway, I don't need spinal surgery now. Thank you, Lord. But it's been a really roller coaster few months. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, this is where the new is. We're being renewed day by day. Let me read it for you in the message. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. Doesn't it? I mean, if we took a a temperature check of the world at the moment, it looks like it's kind of falling apart. On the inside, where God is making new life, 
Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. Because of Jesus, not only is God doing new things in us, but we've been rewired for eternal things. Our hearts lean towards things that cannot be destroyed, right? All our stuff that we own, I mean, we've just had massive floods. We've seen stuff can get flooded, stuff can get burned. Our bodies, outwardly, we're wasting away. But anything that God touches he renews in our inner world through a process and it's oriented toward the new, toward the eternal, which I think is incredibly exciting, never gets old and never gets boring. And I can tell you, having known the Lord now for nearly five decades, I've been in this my whole life. God is doing a new thing and he is making us new if we allow him to. But we don't want him to hide it from us. So how is it that these new things could be happening and maybe we could not see them? I want to read for you Mark 8, 27. Now this is on the back of, this is Jesus and his disciples and it's on the back of a whole lot of miracles preceding this. And I think what, what I find remarkable about the disciples is they were with Jesus all this time and in this passage, which I'll read to you, Jesus says, who do you say I am? Now, I would like to think if I was a disciple that I would have cracked the code by now, like someone who can feed 4,000, 5,000, 7,000, just like this, who heals people, that they would have cracked the code on this. But Jesus is standing right there with them. The Messiah, the new thing. He's absolutely reinventing and reframing the way that they see the world. But he says to them, Jesus and his disciples went to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And then it says, Jesus warned them not to tell anyone. I mean, that's a bit of a downer. Peter's just come up with something completely profound and Jesus just hits him with this total downer. Don't tell anyone. You've got it, but don't tell anyone. And I go, well, God, why? Why did the 11 other disciples fail to see what Peter saw? 11 of them. And I think, well, maybe they did see, but they were scared to speak up. We can't know. But Peter does see and he does speak up. And in, a, in a, um, one of the other Gospels, Jesus says to Peter, God's shown you this. This has been revealed to you by God. Peter was looking at Jesus with eyes of faith. And when we look at Jesus and we look at God's promises through eyes of faith, something happens to the lenses and we get a clearer picture of the new thing than what we would otherwise have. So Peter sees something. Okay, I know many of us, we will have gone, I think God's doing something new. I have an inkling. Peter had an inkling. The other disciples are undecided. Eh, they say you're this, they say you're that. We can fail to recognise something that's right in front of us and just be the lonely person who thinks God is doing something new, but we wonder. 
If we read um, further in this passage, it says, Jesus began to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must suffer things, be rejected by elders, chief priests, teachers of the law. He must be killed after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this and took Peter aside and... Oh, there you go. I've skipped a verse. (laughs) Cut and paste. Sometimes it lets you down. (laughs) Jesus begins to tell Peter, this is what's going to happen to me. Speaking to his disciples. He's being very open, very clear. And Peter says, nah, that's not going to happen. Now, Peter, the one that knows that Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the things of God in mind. And when I read that, I thought, there's Peter. He's got the revelation of Jesus. But then Jesus tells him, keep quiet. Don't tell anyone. Why does God do that? Why would Jesus do that? Wouldn't you think he'd want everyone to know? And I realize as we look at Peter's journey, there's something in this process that God is doing that is hidden right in front of us, but we don't get to see it culminate until Acts chapter 2, after Jesus rises from the dead and Peter gets up in front of a group of people and they've been filled with the Holy Spirit and the crowd thinks that they're drunk and fisherman Peter gets up in front of a crowd in the full authority of the Spirit and completely reframes... Jewish history through the lens of what has happened with Jesus and the coming of the Spirit. And I think sometimes we can see something and, and it feels like a lonely place because we're not sure and God's not, we're not getting that freedom to really talk about it or no one else around us is seeing it. And I realise that's why Jesus didn't want the disciples to tell people. It's because if they had gone around saying, he's the Messiah, he's the Messiah... They didn't even understand what that meant. It wouldn't have been wise for them. Their understanding, Peter's understanding, hadn't caught up with the revelation that he had. And sometimes in the process of making things new, God needs time for our understanding to catch up to what he's revealed to us. So he'll put us in a place where he says, quiet, still, just wait, I'm doing it. It's right there, it's happening. And we see Peter just explode onto the scene in Acts chapter 2 as this empowered, insightful disciple of Christ who we know is a fisherman. He's not an educated man. It's not like he spent years at university studying theology. But his revelation of Jesus and the work that God's been doing in him that is hidden until this moment becomes visible. God works in us from the inside out and in that sense it's hidden in plain sight I need to tell you a a story this morning we've been away a lot the last six weeks I've been in South Australia and I've been on the Gold Coast and while while I was in South Australia I'm looking on Instagram and everyone's posting from the mountains about pink flannel flowers yeah pink flannel flowers and I'm like I need to get home I'm gonna miss this all right up on a narrow neck road in Katoomba, these vistas of flowers just began to appear on the landscape. And the locals are going, what, what is this? Where are these flowers from? Did someone plant flowers? What's going on with these flowers? These bushes that have been sitting there as bushes for years and years and years have suddenly produced flowers. And what they discover is pink flannel flowers 
are a rarity which only emerge in specific conditions when sufficient rainfall follows a bushfire. Okay, so do we remember the bushfires of 2019 summer, 2020 summer? So you've got to have a huge bushfire. Now, bushfires are not uncommon in the mountains. We get used to the smell of smoke in summer. It fills the air. But these are particularly bad bushfires that we had in 1920. Okay, not uncommon for bushfires. But what followed the bushfires was months and months of continuous rain. And the combination of those two events, could you pop it up on the screen, caused this huge landscape of these flowers that are otherwise hidden because the seeds or the flowers, I'm not, I don't know, I don't quite know how all this horticultural botany, whatever it is, <laughs> agriculture, how it all works. But there was something about the combination of bushfire and flood, continuous rain, that germinated these flowers and they just appeared out of nowhere. This is a, an event that hasn't occurred since the mid-1950s. I know, I know. So when I got back from South Australia, I got in the car and I'm like, I have to find these flowers. So I did. I had to, I had to go up because I can see God. God's trying to speak through the flowers, through the process of what he's doing. And I thought about the process of this. What is this God? It's new events. All right. When God wants to do something new, new events happen. And sometimes, although we want them to be fantastic and spectacular, we want them to be new babies and new weddings. But sometimes it's a, it's a new pandemic. Sometimes it's a job loss or a relationship crisis. Sometimes it's a conflict. Sometimes it's as small as a new concern. These don't have to be spectacular things. But these are the conditions of growth. These are the conditions of new. So in case of the flowers the fire, and then the consistent rain, the, the event of those created a new set of circumstances. Now, circumstances are the, the environment where things take place, where seeds get nurtured. And I don't know about you, but I would like my circumstances to look something like Instagram's beautiful destinations page. I don't know if you've seen that, but that's what I would like the circumstances of my life to look like. Islands in Greece. Mountains in Swiss Alps, beautiful, <laughs> peaceful. It doesn't usually look like that in real life. These circumstances where God is looking to work in these conditions to produce something new are often not beautiful, not ideal, painful. Even though we get bushfires in the Blue Mountains, it's never nice. I had a, an evacuation bag at the front door for about five months. And we had, you know, as a family, we had a plan. Which roads are we going to take? I mean, that's the reality of it. This isn't, these circumstances, they're not nice. They're not what we would necessarily choose, but they're what God uses. And he used these circumstances in the mountains to bring something out of this that was so beautiful and unexpected as God does. Okay, we need new events we need new growth conditions, and then we need time. You know, many changes can only be proven over time. 
It's easy to say, I've changed, right? Next day, same habit. <laughs> you know, the, the join the gym in January, you know, speaking for myself, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I'm not going to eat any more Easter eggs after Easter Monday. <laughs> yeah, that didn't happen because there's a bag of cream eggs in the fridge. I mean, what would you do? <laughs> Changes and new things get proven over time. There are some things that just take time and God knows this and that is why he will allow our circumstances to continue and he might not change the circumstance but he's committed to doing a work in us. Sometimes he does, sometimes he changes it but oftentimes he's just doing this hidden work in plain sight within us. Finally in this process of events, circumstances, time, it leads to new things. So much on the earth has happened uh, with people being, you know, locked inside, so to speak. Scientists have done all these studies because of the absence of humans interacting with nature. And they found the most profound results have occurred because of these circumstances and over this time. So, for example, they have found that whales who signal to each other underwater, the absence of ships in the ocean and the absence of humans in the ocean have allowed the communication of whales to extend over much further distances. And they're hearing different sounds from the whales because there's no, there's no boats interfering, there's no humans interfering with what's going on. Um, they're finding, uh, you know, the recovery of, of large parts of land and animals that normally live in the wild they're finding them in the middle of cities because the cities are empty new things are beginning to emerge because of these series of conditions uh, in the photo um, could I have the second photo of the flowers you can see the flowers and around the flowers you can see burned pine cones and thank you Penny these are Penny's beautiful flowers that she generously allowed me to use she's got such a great eye but you can see at the base of that tree is a burned pine cone and I think that, that this is this is a picture of how God works sometimes we feel like the burned pine cone it's not easy the refining work of God but God's looking at us going stick with me I'm committed to my promises I'll do what I say, I'm going to strengthen you, I love you, I'm going to get you through. And before you know it, vistas of flowers that you could not even anticipate are going to spring up from places that you never expected. And I love how God is so committed to doing that for us. Ephesians 4, 20 to 24. Paul says, that's no life for you, you've learned Christ. My assumption is that you've paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything connected with the old way of life has to go. So this is everything connected with our identity, our behavior, our mindsets. Before we met Jesus, it's got to go. God's working on it all. Isn't that wonderful? What wonderful news for us. 
It's rotten through and through the old way. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Colossians 3, 9 and 10, you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on a new self which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. You know, I I really felt this morning that there are people who are hearing this new, new, new and are just like, "Eh, enough already. I'm done with new. New is too hard. And I really felt like the Lord just wanted to encourage you this morning to lean in, to trust him. You know, the word says in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It's one of my go-to scriptures because I like to think about the word and, and, you know, sometimes there can be a huge gap between what the Bible says and what we're experiencing. But I want to encourage you this morning that God is doing a new thing, that it is hidden in plain sight and that if you will lean into him and be led by the Spirit, He's going to reveal it to you in the process. And in the landscape of your life, beautiful flowers (laughs) that are unexpected, that are phenomenons, that you go, how could the conditions happen for this to be produced? You're going to see new things, things that only God can do. And you'll know that they're things that only God can do. Amen? Amen. Let me, I'm just going to pray for you all and then we're going to bring the service to a close. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for our identity in you. I thank you that you sent Jesus for us. God, what a life, what a privilege it is to live with the certainty of who we are because of what Jesus did. I thank you for the Holy Spirit, the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, that this this is real. This is real for us if we lean in and we commit as disciples to keeping Jesus at the center and being led by the Spirit. You will make all things new in us and through us. And so for God, I pray for every person whose circumstance this morning, events have led to circumstances and these circumstances are troublesome, they're confusing, they're debilitating, they might be sad. God, I just pray for everyone in that situation. And Lord, I thank you that you see everyone in that situation. Nothing is hidden from you. And I pray this morning that you would minister to them. God, that you would heal them and that you would begin to reveal the new things that are in your heart that are hidden in plain sight. Thank you, God. I I just pray that you would send everyone from here with a blessing for an incredible week ahead and a fruitful week ahead, God. Not just a good week. We don't just want good. We're not satisfied with good. A fruitful week ahead in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. (laughs) Goodbye to the live streamers. Thank you for joining us.